Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, spring has sprung. How does it feel seeing the the, the lovely, lovely change in the weather? Charles, and Charles, why would you rather be golfing right now? Let's just get right to the, the heart of the matter. <laughs> why would I rather be golfing? <laughs> Maybe not rather be golfing. <laughs> oh, let me list the reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is really, I was actually praying outside of my, uh, on my deck this morning or my patio or whatever, uh, and noticing the tree right below our apartment has started to bud a little bit. And they're very beautiful uh, buds and flowers when they do. So I was like, man, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to have a very beautiful tree outside my, outside my apartment. And then I, I just now realized that I will also have significant problems with allergies. So, uh, bittersweet. <laughs> it's, it's already getting, like, yesterday, I was sneezing so much. And I was like, seriously? It's, like, it's been spring for a day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I don't suffer with bad allergies, praise be to God. But Nicholas does, similarly to both of you. <laughs> And he has been just racked with so the sniffles and uh, an annoying amount of sneezing. You can't say bless you. There's no right time. And so he's he I I depend on him to tell me. Like you know when an old person has like creaky knees when they know a storm is coming. I know that when Nicholas is down for the count, <laughs> that that's when spring has sprung. <laughs> he's a barometer for when it's actually he is actually spring. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also feel so bad because like it's it's obviously we're in a pandemic, which our question of the week is going to get to. Um, so like I, I it hasn't been terrible yet. Like I've had more sneezing than normal, but I feel bad sneezing in front of people or like coughing in front of people because it's like I don't I don't have COVID. It's just there's there's just there's a little bit more pollen in the air. And so now this is what my body has decided to do with it. Like you are safe. It's just the allergies. <laughs> No fun. Let's get things started formally with our question of the week segment. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's the number three. Then guys at the well, all one word and lowercase at gmail.com. So this week's question is from our friend Amanda. And she asks us, what is the thing you are most excited to do once you are vaccinated, once you are fully vaccinated? I think uh, for me, it's simply just to be with people. It's just uh, to to eat a meal together, uh, to visit with people, to have people over, and just I just miss people. I miss seeing you guys. I miss seeing my friends, and so that that is very simply what I'm looking forward to the most. Agreed. But there's one particular person I want to see and hold, Josiah. I want to hold my godson. I I I haven't held a baby in a year. I have not suffered through that. <laughs> In so long, I need to hold the baby. I'm so over not being able to hold babies. I we want you to now. hold him. Yeah, babies have grown up. Like a Leo walks now. When did right? that happen? Uh, Lee practically runs. Walks. <laughs> <laughs> Lee, Lee, walks. Guys, show me. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I, I need to. Yeah, I need to see Aaliyah, mostly because she was afraid of me, 
before all this happened. This is true. Yeah. We need to fix that. I can't imagine that time apart is going to help that at all. So no. I need some, some image uh, reconstruction to, to do. But yeah, I, don't, I was talking to Charles about this uh, earlier. I just miss breathing on you guys. Like I just what? miss breathing in your general <laughs> direction without without a care in the world. Like it's it's the simple things. I want to breathe on my friends. <laughs> Wait, um, un- un- like unhindered by a mask. Unhindered by a mask. <laughs> yes, unhindered by Zoom. I just want to breathe on my friends. You're ridiculous. I love it. Oh man. When I do it, it's fine. Not when anyone breathes on me. Right. Okay. You you will not breathe on me. <laughs> When we're vaccinated, but I might be. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Well, that is an excellent segue <laughs> to episode number two of the season that is yet to be named, uh, this Bible study of First John. You know, we part of why we started this podcast is because we are three laymen, three guys at the well who are not podcast experts and are learning as much as we are producing. Um and yeah, sometimes have have oversights. So, but we are three men who love the word of God and want to learn it together. So yeah, you will always you will always have community and fellowship in line with what we talk about talking about first John here at the well, where we don't always know what we're doing, but we're always trying and learning about God on the way. So let's get started with this week's passage. Uh, this is from first John chapter two, verses one through fourteen. If you have your Bible and you aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. John was not about lip service at all. In this passage, he calls out hypocrisy in the hearts of men who claim to love the Lord, but whose actions reflect at best a passing awareness of him. And when he's done bringing down the hammer, he closes with an honest description of who he is writing these letters to and why. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this, we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him 
who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Gentlemen, what are some key takeaways from this section in 1 John chapter 2? So immediately I'm hit by sort of as Charles brought up out, uh, brought up in our first episode of the season, um, just by like the transition from chapter one, verses 10 into two verses, uh, two verse two. Um, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, which that that's a big deal. Like to deny sin is to deny the necessity of Jesus Christ's redemptive work. It's to claim that God did not do what he said he does. And that's incredibly important because God accomplishes things through his word. Like God spoke the world into existence. God's, um, our faith in him hinges on his ability to uh, steadfastly answer all of the promises that he's made to his people throughout history. Like God is so much what he says he is. And to claim that God is a liar is to go against his entire character is to put his like and you don't have the no none of us have the right to to call god on his character like he is who he is and so like his atoning sacrifice for the sins of the entire world john makes it very clear like this this is it like god has offered all of himself to us and so in christ we're no longer held captive uh by sin like in in paul's letter to uh, his mentee timothy uh, 2 Timothy 2, verses like 25 to 26, he mentions that people are held captive by their sins, they're slaves to it. And we, in the freedom that God provides us through Christ, um, can now use our freedom to make decisions fueled by a loving devotion to the one who first loved us and sent his son to be our our own advocates and to, um, and to take our place in suffering. And so like what stands out to me is just the necessity of trusting God at his word, because so much of God is his word. Um, like it, John beautifully in the first chapter that we reviewed calls Jesus the word of life. I think there's also um, this idea that, like you said, Eli, if you, if you claim that you know him, but you don't keep his commandments, or like the idea of making God a liar um, is so... One is really consistent. Again, John continues to basically quote himself um, without like explicitly doing so. Like in John, I believe it's John 14. He says almost exactly what he says in verses three and four. Like he's, he's talking about, and even like in the beginning of this, he talks about uh, Jesus being an advocate, but in John 14 is also when he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So like John continues to just like be like, I said this, like God said this, even as like, I write to you, no new commandment. Like we've been through this, but I'm going to say it again. But this idea that, you know, loving God is, it's more than just saying, oh, I love God. It's not lip service. It's not knowing the right Bible verses or saying the right things at the right time. It's, it is shown and borne out in action. It is shown, shown and borne out in love. It is shown and borne out in what you do and what you choose not to do. And so there's a, there's a, there's a really distinct challenge here um, from John to not just, not just say, oh yeah, like me and me and God, like we're cool. Like we've got a good relationship. And again, there's so much like, as we unpack this, there's so much about, uh, John's character that informs his writing. Uh, 
but John like was very close with Jesus and in, in, in some pretty some particular ways. And so this idea that he says like, if you say you know him and don't keep his commandments, like you're calling him a liar, isn't just, it's not just true. It's also coming out of like John's thinking like you are making like the person that is like the word made flesh a liar, the person that he knows. And so you, you'd consider that like John would say that as like an insult on behalf of his friend, like on behalf of his Lord of like, you will not make like the, like you will not make him a liar. Like I know him well enough to recognize him in you and to not recognize him in you. Um, and so, yeah, there's this really distinct challenge of, I think I forget if it was Eli or Charles, uh, which one of you said in the last episode, like walking in the light by walking as Jesus did and recognizing that when we don't, um, it doesn't, it's not just make, it's not just something that makes us look bad. Um, it's something that presents an inaccurate depiction of Christ to the world. And we invented on this podcast and sound checks about this before, but this idea that our ministry as disciples on earth today has to be one by which the character of Jesus Christ is shown in our words and in our actions in very like substantial ways, not just, oh, you know, I go to church every Sunday or, oh, I read my Bible sometimes. And the reason that is so important is because the failure to do so makes Jesus look bad. And like to a world that uh, many of which do not know him makes him look like a liar and makes him look like he's not who he said he is and who he actually is. And so I think there's a, there's a reverence and kind of a, a fear of the Lord that we need to take into our interactions with people um, to show the, to be sure that we are not making a liar out of Jesus Christ. And yeah, the damage of that is something that is, is uh, difficult to put into words or to fathom. Well, one way you could put it is like the fellowship that you would have with Jesus, with God the Father, is cut. You've called someone a liar. You, you through your actions, you've demonstrated that not no, he's a liar, and and your fellowship is cut. And I think there's something to to your point about living out discipleship as in, in word and deed, in word and action. Well, in this chapter, we see well, how do we be fellowship in Christ? It's simply to obey God. That's it. It's uh, whoever obeys his word, verse five, and whoever ought to walk just as he walks. Whoever says, I abide in him. I'm in, I'm in fellowship with Christ. I'm a friend of Christ is to walk in him. And there's something about that. I'm reminded that the word in, I think it's in Hebrew, disciple or follower um, literally elicits an image of walking so close to the person that you're following, or in, in Hebrew, be the rabbi, that you like are eating his dust. That's how close you are to following in the way of the person into the teacher, to the person you're following. And that that's the image that elicits in, in this is in verse um, five, where I, who, or verse six, whoever says, I abide in him ought to walk just as he walked to be so close to the Lord in fellowship with him that we're literally eating his dust. Uh, I am trying to mirror my life as he did. And Christ wasn't someone who went, uh, I go to, I go to temple and I've read the scroll and I'm good. No, he was so entrenched in showing what the scroll taught him 
that he was countercultural in everything he did. Um, and I think that says something to us. And I think that's what John is trying to tell us here. Yeah, I absolutely love that, Charles. That's that. Yeah, you better. I, I saw that. <laughs> that Jarrell was pantomiming <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, you better, you better, you better tell him. So a couple things struck me while you were, while you were speaking. So John does this, has this moment where when I first read it, I was like, oh, no, he's not contradicting himself, but it sounds like he is. He says, or he wrote, I'm not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. And then a sentence later, he's like, yet I am writing a new command. And it's like, okay, huh? And so I thought about that one for a little bit. So here's, here's what's been on my mind. The command that he's writing about is this righteousness that, or like living in light of God, like following God's commandments, being obedient to him out of love, right? Like that's not anything new. Like obedience was preached and taught Old Testament to Jews all of the time, constantly. Um, obey the Lord, be righteous as he is righteous, be holy as he is holy. But the newness of this is that our righteousness comes from Christ alone. Like, it's no longer us following the letter of the law. It's no longer, and, and I'm not saying that, like, we don't have to be obedient to our new covenant. I'm saying that, like, Christ's obedience, Christ's uh, perfect obedience is where our righteousness hinges from. And so, like, that's the, that's the something that I think is new that John is writing to these disciples who are like yes it's no longer about like you as charles was saying like being good with reading your scroll it's no longer about you um like oh look at all the commandments i've been able to keep i, I guess i'm good uh no no one is good actually and christ alone is good and like so the newness of that command that he's handing us is this dependency on christ that urges us to eat his dust as as charles was pointing to but i also think like like, where does John get all this from? I think really straightforwardly, John uh, 14, 15, Christ says, if you love me, keep my commands. And like, that's it. Like, God wants to be loved through action, not simply through empty promises or broken anything else. God, God wants to be loved and you want to show him love. Like, Abel was praised by God for giving him the first fruits of his labor through his offering. God accounted Abraham righteousness because he was willing to believe him and obey him. And, and like, there's a beauty in obedience because to obey God means to say, I know that living life on your terms is the best way to live life, God. It's the only good way to live life, God. It's not like, I have the free will to do whatever I want to do, God, but I know that what I can come up with is not going to touch the, ho the holiness, the righteousness, the goodness, the truth of which you invite me to. I'm made in your image. I believe you more than I believe how I feel. And so like every, like that's what it means to love God, to trust God at his word and to, and, and to believe like, I know that what I do is an expression of loving you because it means that I trust you more than I trust my feelings, more than I trust what's convenient to me, more than I trust what's beneficial to me. Uh, I trust you. Um, and that's why I think obedience matters so much to God. Yeah, it's really a distinction uh, of like learning to, I know for me, a huge part of my own like uh, testimony and growth and like what the, like stuff the Lord has done in me is learning to relate to God uh, 
less is someone from whom I fear punishment and more like someone who wants me to, who wants a relationship with me and wants me to get to know them. Um, and so like, I, like I used to read uh, for like, so like John 14 or in the, or in this, uh, where is it? Uh, versus verse three of like, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I would immediately think like, I, I but I'm really bad at that. <laughs> like, and like want to love God, but I'm really, really bad at that. So what do I do? And then it wasn't until I started thinking more of like, kind of as you both have alluded to, well, if God is a person um, and he's saying, if you love me, keep my commandments, he's saying like, love in a way that you would for someone that like you physically know or are with, like when you love someone, there are certain things you do and certain things that you don't do. Um, you're aware of their uh, tastes and preferences and the things that make them feel seen and appreciated. And when you love someone, you do those things. And so that's what it is for God. It's not just a, it's not a legalistic view of uh, the commandments. It's consider me um, as someone who is real to you and not just an idea. And love me as someone who is real to you and not just an idea. And then combining like what we've said about, you know, John, like, don't call my friend a liar. Don't make a liar out of my friend. And also what is said in verse nine and 10, where it says, he who, is, who says he is in the light and hates his brothers in darkness until now. And he who loves his brother abides in the light. There is no cause for stumbling in him. This kind of brings so many things full circle because it's not just God saying, you know, love me like I am a real person, not just an idea. Still saying, love my kids like they're my kids. And like, not just someone that you happen to like bump into. Um, and so there's this changing of our perspective, at least for me, a lot of what I've been able to like reflect on and like from my pastor ways that like the Lord is still working in me is to see God as a real person and to see God as someone who wants to be loved as a real person. And to also see the way that he, you know, extends that love to the way that we treat his children. Um, Cause if like, I can't say, oh, me and Charles are buds. Like, I love Charles. It's like, but me and Aaliyah, nah. Like, we're not cool. Um, so, I mean, she might she might say that if she could articulate such things. But, um, but this idea that for God, it's like, yeah, it is loving me. But you got to love my, my people, too. You got to, in this whole idea of fellowship we've been getting around to, of like, you got to love my kids, too. And it's just as disingenuous to kind of separate God out from that. Of like, all. Oh, throw everything I can before God, but I draw the line when it's like, but you got to love my kids too. As, as raggedy as they can be sometimes, you got to love them. Like we can't, we can't make that distinction. And God makes very clear that, and John makes very clear, like God won't allow us to make that distinction. It's a, it's a, a package deal. Yeah. The, fe- the idea of fellowship comes back up again on the tail end of, of what you just shared there. Like there is no room for, um, something that creates enmity between people and cuts the fellowship. You can't hate someone because I love that point because they're my kids. God say they're my kids. You can't hate them. And I wrote down, I, I, there, I think there's something quite striking, especially in our American culture today um, and our political environment about like not hating. Um, and there's also, it, it, you, this is verse um, nine, Whoever says I am in the light while hating a brother or sister 
uh, is actually still in darkness. I added the actually, that's not, that's not in there, but is, is still in darkness, while whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light. And so I, I wrote down, hate binds and blinds. Hate binds us from fellowship with brethren. We are, our hands are tied from actually being in fellowship with our brethren, with our brothers and sisters, and it blinds us from the light of Christ. Well said. Charles, I appreciate your ability to maintain your train of thought while Eli, like, pro give you props in the chat <laughs> and to, like, see it and just kind of move on with what you're saying instead of breaking. <laughs> we, we're a very supportive group and at, at here at the well and over Zoom, we do that through the chat. But yeah, that's a good way of saying it. Like, it, it binds and blinds. It blinds us to the truth of who Jesus is. It prevents us from partaking in that fellowship, which is a means by which we walk in the light that God has called us into. John is just a good writer. My goodness. Like there's so, there's so much alignment. I'm bringing out the teacher words. There's so much alignment with the stuff that, that John says. And is a, a delight to be, to be studying is, is writing with you too. Um, I think just as my like really quick final point, um, speaking of why he writes, um, his, he lists out our, his reasons for writing. And there are all these truths that now exist because of who Christ is and what he did and what our discipleship means. And so they're like, I, they're real identity statements that I want everyone to like reread yourselves. He says, your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Praise be to God. Like that is a fact. That's not, that's not a thing that just, oh, does it exist? Does it not exist? No, you've been forgiven, period. You know him who is from the beginning. Like he's attesting the apostles, disciples throughout history and us now, like all attest to who Christ is. Like that is a fact that we know him who is from the beginning. You know the father because we know the son. Like it is through Christ alone that we come into communion with God the Father. You know him who is from the beginning, again, proclaimed, like, remember, and then you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Like, what beautiful victory and success is promised, not in the future, but that exists now because of the gravity of Christ's handiwork. Like, so praise be to God for that. I just wanted to end with these identity statements that we can cling to. Oh, amen. Like that last, what was it, the last three verses or so? Um, yeah, last three are really serve as a great yeah, proclamation of that which, like the word made flesh, like has brought into um, a reality for us. Um, so, yeah, I, to echo Eli's point, I commend that to all of you to kind of read as like a, not just a prayer, but yeah, something that is a declarative statement of truth in our lives now because of Jesus Christ. And that is all for this week. Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also connect with us on Instagram and Facebook by searching Three Guys at the Well. And if you want even more content and would like to help this podcast grow, consider becoming a patron and head on over to patreon.com forward slash at the well for exciting new bonus material. We'll talk to you next week here at The Well.